Blog Talk Radio. everybody and welcome everybody to the show. Uh, I start off by thanking my last guest, which I guess I need to thank myself because that was me. I did a solo show. I haven't been on in about a month. Uh, working, getting ready to move. I'm heading down to Texas and I can't wait. So I've been a little busy, but I, I, I got to keep it going. I, I miss being on the air and uh, having uh, to say what I want to say and giving others extraordinary people a chance to see what they want to say. For those who are new to the show, uh, the reason I do this show is because we need shows like this. We need to expose our extraordinary everyday people who are doing extraordinary things, the type of people that you don't see on daytime TV. You won't see them on uh, Steve Wilco, Samari, or Jerry Springer, or Steve, even Steve Harvey, or the court shows. You know, I'm, I'm sick of you know, I'm sick of the image that is being portrayed of us to the world because that's what the world sees of us. Maybe that's what Donald Sterling watches as daytime TV, which gives him the angle that he has as pertains to us. But I'll talk about that a little bit later on uh, in that Donald Sterling connection with the daytime TV and a few other things that I think we kind of were, you know, reacting to in a kind of backwards way. But anyway, my guest today defies every stereotype of us black people and our youth 
that you see on TV, every stereotype. This young lady is a brilliant young lady representing uh, Cincinnati, Ohio, from Princeton High School, University of Cincinnati, with a degree in chemical engineering. Very focused, determined, and successful young lady. I want to bring on and thank Tadia Njanga for joining me. Tadia, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing great. Glad to finally get you on. I know when I first started doing this show in September, my intention was to have uh, a show with college students. I, my intention was to have yourself and uh, have a niece, uh, uh, Nadia Ogeni, who's a student just like yourself, brilliant young lady. Uh, in Ivy League at the uh, University of Pennsylvania, my son down in Arkansas Pine Bluff. I was intending to have the three of you on, but it didn't work out, but I have you, and I'll get them on, too. I'm going to get you all. Uh, so oh, just starting so things off, oh, I'm, 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 glad, you, I'm glad you're here. We, I, I really wanted to uh, get our youth involved in the show and, because you have a lot to say, because you have a lot to see. You see things more than I see them. You, you see them at a different angle. I, I see them from a totally different angle that you see them. And instead of talking to the experts that analyze our youth, I figured I'll talk to the youth, especially somebody who can put something positive on other youth's mind. And with you being, uh, you're in chemical engineering, and we'll, we'll get more into that, but you obviously are, are brilliant and, and, and an honor student. And take, take us back to uh, your childhood. Have you always been able to grasp, and have you always been, was there a time where you just kind of took off running, or have you always, as far as you can remember, been just this real smart kid? I think academics has always been the area that I excelled at, even if I wasn't too particularly skilled in other areas, it's just always been reading, math, and just learning in general. Those have just always been passions of mine. I was reading before I entered kindergarten. I just remember just always loving books, always wanting to know everything that I can possibly know about any subject. So you know, so you didn't like myself. Now I'm a late bloomer. You know, I started back to school when I was 52. Okay, and and actually did well. But uh, in my youth, I didn't like going to school. I mean, did you, did you have that? It sound like you enjoyed going to school and just have fun learning. Yeah, school was always cool to me. I always enjoyed my teachers. I always just enjoyed the social aspect of just being in school. Yeah, it was never uh, like a chore to me. Mm. And what, when did you start having this interest in your major, chemical engineering? When did, it, when did you decide that this is what you want to do? Or have you decided? When did you come to that point? It actually wasn't until my sophomore year of college. Originally, I was enrolled in the political science program at my school. But after taking several courses and just determining that that wasn't a proper fit for me, I decided to go into engineering. In high school, my teachers, uh, like several of them, they were always telling me to go into engineering. They said, if you're good in math and science, then there's plenty of careers in engineering for you, so just go ahead and do that. And I actually took a few courses in chemical engineering, and I loved every single one of them. They were challenging and exciting for me. Let me take a one thing I didn't do. Uh, if anybody wants to call in and talk to Tadia, uh, just if you just want to say hi, just show us some love, show us some congratulations, and she's doing 
she's doing things contrary to the stereotype that's portraying us to do them. And she, 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 we need to show that love for that. Uh, but the number is 718-664-9513. 718-664-9513. So it's, it sounds like for chemical engineering, the keys to that is you gotta, you got to get your science and math together. Correct. Those are definitely the fundamentals of any field in engineering. Mm-hmm. And what, what what are the sacrifices that you had to make? Because this, I mean, trying to study and trying to live a life, I, I learned in my later years was was really really, I, I couldn't do it. I had to, I had to give it up. I just had to totally sacrifice. What what sacrifices did you have to make, and are you having to make? in order to be as successful as you are in these courses? There were um, some social sacrifices. I couldn't hang out with my friends as much as I wanted to because the course loads are very demanding. There's a lot of material that you have to accomplish outside of the classroom, so it limits the amount of time that you have to spend doing activities with your peers that you would normally want to do. But it, it's not, it doesn't make you completely antisocial, but there is definitely, it definitely does place time constraints on you. Mm-hmm. But it's rewarding. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I try to say to everybody. I mean, sacrifices is what it is, but in, in the short and long run, believe me, the rewards will definitely come. I'm experiencing that at my age myself, and it's, it's the truth. Who, who has influenced you? Who, who has been some of your most positive influences uh, coming up through, uh, you know, your childhood, your education, and even up to this day? And how have they influenced you? I think the, the greatest influence I had was my ninth grade physical science teacher. His name was Mr. Gray. He was from Scotland, and he did a lot of hands-on experiments in the classroom, which were just ex- extremely interesting and he allowed us to participate in in that experiment and it actually made the class fun it allowed us to participate to get a better understanding of the subject and to be able to retain the information being presented for a longer amount of time mm-hmm. okay okay and as far as like I said you you you're 21, 22, may I ask? How, how old are you now? Oh, I'm actually older than that, 23. 23? Okay, wow. Okay, yes. I, I remember when I first came on Facebook, actually, I said, man, I've been, it's been five years, and I remember you, uh, you were one of the originals who I, you know, uh, threw out the family and friends who kind of been around for that period of time. I remember you were just coming out of high school. Wow, 23. Yeah, I'm definitely flies. aged. Yeah, aged since then. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> so, uh, you saying things of our youth at your angle is different than mine. I probably have a much more harsher angle than yours because how I came up was just totally different. What, what, what do you what do you think of today's youth? Do you see a from your angle? What, what is your take on what the problem is and any ideas on what what, what you would think we can do? about the problems, the obvious problems that we have. In some ways, I don't think a lot of things have changed. I remember there was a sociology course that I had took my freshman year, and they introduced new ideas to you. And one of the ones that we learned about was W.E. Du Bois, 
a very famous sociologist, founder of the NAACP, or one of the founders, and he had this rejection to the government's idea of providing government housing or subsidized housing because he believed that it would create this idea or this concept of generational poverty, which it seems to have done. Instead of families temporarily being in poverty, it seems that this is a lifestyle that's passed on through generations, and you see it in the youth, especially black youth, they don't have any role models beyond their parents or their aunts and or other relatives, close relatives, and they seem to be in the same poverty lifestyle, and they can't seem to get out of that. And it's like with our community, you're either in poverty or you have to be someone very rich and famous like an athlete or a basketball player or a rapper or something like that. There's no concept of a middle class. And I think that's something that definitely hinders us from being a successful community. Mm-hmm. I, I hear you. Do, do you think that uh... – as, as far as the, the, the rap lyrics, the video games, the, and and what these kids that come out of the womb being exposed to, do, do you see that as having any influence on these kids as they grow older, who, who are eventually become parents? Because when when people say it's the parents, it's the parents that starts at home. Well, I, I get that and I understand that it has its place. But these these days, our kids who were exposed to these poisons video games, some of the rap lyrics, the moralities, television and movies and so forth that were in the day, who were kids and now they are adults. So that poison is contagious. What, I mean, what do you think about uh, the influences of, of, of this system, systemized uh, practice out there today? With the content of rap and video games that may be violent or misogynistic in nature, um, it's not necessarily that content that I think is responsible or solely responsible for the problems that we have. I think it's the fact that a lot of the parents, this, they live that same lifestyle that's being portrayed in rap videos or the same level of violence, or they glorify that violence at home. And so it's a combination of the things that they see in the media and their upbringing. But I think that if the parents, Mm -hmm. if they were to instill different values, and even if the children could be exposed to that media, it wouldn't be so effective on the way that they, on their outlook. Mm -hmm. As as I always do from the uh, interviews I've done, which mostly have come from Facebook, I always go into the profiles, I always read the timelines, I go down as far as I can go and, and just to get an idea of, of my angle, and I, I happened to come across one post that you uh, had there. This is in January 21st. I'm going to read it because it, it really hit, it hit me because it's, it's the way I think. And you were quoting uh, Dr. John Henry Clark. It says, uh, religion is the organization of spirituality into something that became the handmaiden of conquerors. Nearly all religions were brought to people and imposed on people by conquerors and used as the framework to control their minds. On point. That's me talking on point. And then you have yourself wrote that one of the many reasons why I do not subscribe to any irrational ideologies promoted on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, talking to you the other day, you have, you know, you, you confirmed that you are uh, an atheist, and my question is, when when did 
uh, that physical change take place? When did you get to that point where you said something ain't right with all this, this, this stuff that, that's being imposed on me? It was actually a gradual process. Growing up, I was exposed to many different denominations of Christianity and then eventually other religions, um, actually in the sense of practicing them, not just learning about them or observing them. And Mm -hmm. I had this general acceptance of them. I didn't think that one was absolutely right and one was absolutely wrong. And after a while, it just got to me you know, just being indifferent to religion. And then my freshman year of college, I took a philosophy course. And it was a course on epistemology, the study of knowledge. And the main thing that I gathered from that course is to question everything. And if you question all of your beliefs and the foundations for your beliefs, if they're not rational at the base, then you should discard those beliefs. And a lot of the foundation of religion, it's not logical to me. And so it was just a just something that I had to give up. Mm-hmm. And, and what and I, I, I believe me, I hear you loud and clear. But what really gets me about that, I, I feel exactly the same way. Probably more harsh, though. Okay, <laughs> but I feel <laughs> the same way. And I'm not trying to be mean to anybody. And I'm, trying, I'm just saying that I don't understand how a people can just be so willing to embrace a philosophy that was imposed on them with bloody hands by an oppressor for the benefit of the oppressor. What's so hard to see about that? And it it, it, it just blows my mind. It really, it it blows my mind that we are so, have have been so miseducated that it's unbelievable. Now, if, I tell anybody, look, if that works for you, more power to you. Do, do your thing. Th- that doesn't work for me. But now, have you gotten, like, uh, and, and I've been distanced by some people, family and friends, because of my philosophy. But life goes on. Have you been distanced and ostracized or uh, unfriended because of your uh, belief? Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that I've been ostracized, but a lot of times I get um, relatives who are very conservative. They try to um, press their beliefs upon me or try to correct my beliefs. And um, it's, I don't really take it personally or I don't feel offended by it. I just know that they just have this idea that's saving my soul. So it's somewhat... Um, it's laughable to me that I don't, I don't never feel offended by other people trying to press their beliefs upon me. They don't do it um, so much with judgment, but it seems more like they're doing it out of concern. Wow, that's interesting. That's I, I won't stay on that that one too long. I, I just want to wanted to ask you about that and uh, and get a, a young lady's take on uh, that angle. I mean, I, I prefer meditation. I believe that. Whatever power you have is within. You got to dig, dig deep down. You got to embrace it, pull it up, put it into your character, and put it into action. Uh, ain't no real or big road. Ain't no wizard of Oz. I mean, you got it. It's right there. It's right there within you. That's that's just my personal take on that spiritual power, and it works for me. I share it. I don't impose it because whatever works for the individual. Hey, if it goes to make you a better person, that's what it's all about. Yeah, I definitely um, agree with you on that. Like, 
people have the right or, you know, the option to practice religion if they choose to. I often find myself having debates with my friends who are religious, but they're never heated debates. They're more just about an exchange of ideas, and we just always realize that we're just never going to agree, but it definitely um, does provide a source of interesting conversation. And you you know what? One last thing I'll say on this is that, and I said this before to a brother who I interviewed, a real, real good, real good brother, a name of Dan Lee. I interviewed him twice, trying to get him on the third time. But I was telling him that if you are an asshole, just a bad person, treat people wrong, you ain't right. Who cares what you believe in? Don't even matter. If you're a good person, doing all the right things, treat people right, you're kind-hearted, you you do the right thing, you're helping people out. It doesn't matter what you believe in. See, it's, people make this stuff so complex that it's pathetic. And I just want to put that out there. So, uh, I don't know. You know, I just think we, we, we make it so complex because I, I know people in the church who ain't worth a doggone. I know people who are atheists, agnostic, and believe whatever they believe. Who It doesn't even matter to me what they believe in because they're just cool people. They're just good people. So what does it matter? You know, um, uh, not to carry on on the subject. I know you said you wanted to move on, but that's like one of the areas that we studied. It was actually with Socrates, and um, it was one of his dialogues. And the message that we got from that is that morality it should be independent of a divine being or independent of anyone. And if it's subjective to another's ideas, then it's not necessarily morality because it's subjective it's not morality should be objective it should be something that's good regardless of the opinion or the ideas of someone else yeah i'm with that i'm with that touches on how you said that you know sorry no no you go ahead go ahead Oh, I was just relating that to like how you said that you know there can be atheists who can be good and there can be believers or yes you know who may have negative tendencies Yes, that's very well put. I like that, negative tendency. I have to keep that one in mind. That can be a little harsher, a little more harsher with my words. I'm trying to find that past <laughs> with my vocabulary sometimes. I know I can get get a little out there, but that's okay. That's me. Uh, back back up to your uh, the chemical, chemical engineering at the University of Cincinnati. What What is your – have you set up your goal path yet? Uh, are you just kind of going through and – grabbing all this knowledge and you'll come to that point uh, in time? Do you know where you're going and what you want to do at this point? I There's no particular company that I want to work for at this time, but there is research that I would like to do. I would like to do research in nanotechnology or in fuel cell development both of which are very interesting to me. I think the idea of taking natural resources and turning them into something that we can use at, that's actually sustainable is just something that excites me. Mm-hmm. Now, you, is your intention to go all the way up to the uh, doctorate? I know you were doing it. You're um, in the master's program right now, right? Correct. I'm in the master's program. I will want to see after I finish that exactly where I am. If if okay. continuing school is something that I can do because it's expensive to attend school and not work or not work at a professional level. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, here we're going to go to the uh, the part I've kind of been interested in because I'm just curious. You just recently came back from Europe. Yes, I did. Bef- it was a very exciting trip. 
Yeah, I, I, I got that from you. And as a matter of fact, it was when I when I saw that you were had this trip was when I decided to contact you again and see if you know when you come back you can you can you can come on like you like you're right here right now. And I say again, I appreciate it. Now, before we get into the trip, what brought that? What brought it on in the first place? Was that school related, or just something just uh, a little a useful bucket list that you have going on? I guess you could say it was a useful bucket list. Bucket list, and also there was an opportunity to do it. I have a friend who recently got a job as a project manager in London, and they invited me to go out, and I really didn't have an excuse not to. I hear you. So you were there for what ten days? Yes. Now, was this your first time overseas? Yes, it's my first time overseas. Okay. And it and was. Uh, you go okay. right ahead. No, you go right ahead. Oh, I was, I was going to say that it was definitely just an exciting trip. What What did that? I know I went to. It was a few years ago, but I went to Amsterdam, and we stopped over in Paris. And I saw that you uh, went to Paris also. How yes. did what I got from my trip is they didn't seem to care for Americans. Didn't matter whether you're black or white. Just when they heard you speaking American English, they just kind of sneered at you. Did you get that same feeling? How, how did you feel over in Paris? Paris is very progressive in some sense. Uh, when I was in Paris, it was actually. Well, I speak French, um, so I didn't speak English that often, so I didn't get the um, odd stares for speaking American English. So, um, But when I was there, the if you were walking around the Latin Quarter or really any area of Paris, it was actually quite rare to see a couple under the age of 30 who were the same race. And I just thought that was something interesting that I seen there. And even considering the fact that they have political leaders um, who may be coming into power who are anti-immigration, it seems to um, they seem to embrace their immigrants um, in, in different ways than we do here. They seem to have a greater appreciation for them. So did you? So you didn't really go as a tourist. You kind of went as. You 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 were you were there hanging out speaking that language. You you speak that fluid English. I mean that's fluid of French, but you can hang with them uh, on that level uh, of, of vocally. Is that correct? Yes. When I went to Paris, I didn't want to be very touristy. I actually met um, people um, at different cafes and I interacted with them, and they showed me Paris not from a tourist perspective, but just from a hmm. Parisian, um, a local Parisian perspective. And so that was definitely great. But I did do some touristy things like go visit the Eiffel Tower. But um, other than that, I experienced it as a local. Okay. Now, did you did you actually, like, go up in the hood or did you, you know, because... Yes. Yes. They, I, that was actually surprising to me. I guess when I think of Europe, I don't think of, I guess, what we consider projects or government housing, but they <laughs> have that. <laughs> they have it. And... Um, one thing that um, that interested me or that actually caught my attention is that in America, the people who live in government-subsidized housing, they actually, or at least in Cincinnati, I'm not exactly sure how it is in other parts of the country, but they actually have really nice places. Like they have really nice townhomes, but in Paris and in London, they just have these really old apartments that 
haven't um, had much work done since probably like the 60s or the 70s. But in uh, Cincinnati, they have what would be considered like almost luxury townhomes. And so it was just that, that was something that was different because I would expect the opposite. How did how did what uh, vibe did you get from the youth that you saw there? Uh, I, I know that w- w- was it a different element? Did you did you ever feel insecure? No, not at all. Um, Europe is definitely a lot safer. They don't uh, or the youth there they don't seem to idolize a, a violent culture like we do here in America. Um, actually, in fact, in London, the police officers, they don't even carry guns. They have a special task force to handle situations in which a suspect may have a gun, but the ordinary police on the street who do patrols, like they don't have guns, and um, it's, just, it's less hostile there. Um, it, there's not that much aggression, or you don't, you know, hear a lot of yelling, cursing, and it seems like the families there, they seem to encourage their children to be a lot uh, more academically successful than over here. Wow. That, that's, wow, that's, that's the system here for you, I tell you. We we don't we don't have to be in this condition and this condition is not a secret. Everybody knows it, but no, they don't want to do anything about it. It's it's unfortunate for for us over here, some of us. What 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 really stuck out over there? What 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 was like? Uh, what did you really enjoy? What was the, 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 like the best kind of the times you had while there? Um, I'm not sure there was a particular moment, but it was just every day just embracing that over there. They don't have a cultureness of, or, or culture of excessiveness like we do here, um, how everything is done on a much grander scale, but it doesn't necessarily have to be like whether it's large cars, larger houses, larger portions of food, larger people. Everything over there is just smaller. Mm-hmm. And um, that was definitely just something I was interested in since one of um, my big things is sustainability. And, you know, large cars, they're not fuel efficient. Um, they they produce a lot more CO2 than smaller cars, and it's just not a sustainable lifestyle. And over there, too, or at least in London, I'm not sure exactly how it was in Paris, but in London, if you want to drive your car doing what would be considered rush hours, there's actually a tax for doing so or a fee for doing so. Really? Wow. Yes. Wow. And um, a, a lot of people, they commute using bicycles, um, and it's a lot more popular over there than what it is um, here, at least in Cincinnati. I know we recently began developing a bike share program, which is something that they had over there. So maybe that's something that, you know, we can adopt into our culture, just being or including physical activity in our daily lifestyle. Now, and I, you, oh, yeah. go ahead, go ahead. No, you, you, you got it. I was going to say that that um, including physical activity in my daily lifestyle beyond just going to the gym, that's something that I took from over there. Um, rather than driving my car five or six minutes to a grocery store, I now walk 30 minutes um, in both directions to go to a grocery store. And that's something that I like that I, you know, took back from over there. And speaking of over there, I understand you going back for six months. What's that about? 
Yes, I actually um, <laughs> was offered an <laughs> I was actually offered an employment opportunity with um, a partner of the company that I work for, and so I will be doing that for at least six months. What are the chances that, you know, might just, uh, are, you, are you open for maybe becoming a resident? Oh, definitely not a resident. I love America so much, but I like being able to explore or to be a part of other cultures. And another big reason that I want to stay longer is that it's so much cheaper to get another international flight from Europe um, to other countries. Like I definitely want to go to Africa and it's much cheaper to fly out of Europe rather than to come back to America and to fly to Africa. So um, that's definitely another reason that I want to stay longer. I'm really, I'm glad to hear that because I was kind of going to get to that, uh, you know, possibly this is a, uh, path to being a world traveler for yourself at, at such a young age, I would, you know, people need to, if at all possible, get out and go somewhere, travel, see different places, even if it's within the United States. There are differences here and there's similarities here, but there's just places to go instead of, uh, you know, just being in one spot for all your life. I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that you're, uh, you know, you're traveling and you have the frame of uh, thought to know that from London, it's, you can you can get here to there and so forth. Uh, that's beautiful. I'm I'm proud of you. I tell you, that's that's that's, oh, that's good you. to hear. That's, that's yeah, really like good to, to hear. On, the touch on what you said about like going to different places, like even in the U.S. Like you said, you're going to Texas, and to me, that's like such a huge difference, I guess, in going to Chicago. Because when I think of Texas, I think of this extremely conservative mindset, and so. How is that going to be for you? Have you actually been there? Oh yeah, I've been. I've been. Yeah, Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, Corpus Christi, Far Texas. I've been all over Texas. Uh, for, you know, for work contracts, uh, dispatch there, and I I love Texas. Uh, I I wanted to move down south. I, I was tired of uh, snow blizzards and freezing temperatures. And uh, on my bucket list is the backyard barbecue with shorts, sandals, and a t-shirt. For New Year's Eve. <laughs> See, that's I what I'm talking about. I, I, that, yeah. I, I just, I just want something different. I, you know, I, wa- I wanted to go to Texas or Florida or, or Alabama, Arkansas, but I, I'm really happy with uh, the landing in Texas. I, I can't wait. I feel like I used to as a kid in October, waiting on Christmas in December. So uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Back in the days where I, well, you know, celebrated Christmas. <laughs> I definitely wish you good luck on your move there. Pardon me? I was going to definitely oh, thank good you. luck thank on you. your move there. Thank you. Oh, yeah, I, I, it's like a dream come true. I, 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 I went back to school, like I said, at, at 52 uh, to get back in the industry that, that I was in before to uh, make myself marketable anywhere in the country. And it was really because of Malcolm, actually, my youngest son, for wherever he went to college, I would be marketable enough to get a job there so that he could have some type of family support and backup. And uh, it, I exceeded my expectation. You know, I'm, I'm in Texas. He's right there next door in Arkansas. And uh, we can't wait to get a chance to hook up down there. I'm sure that's going to so, be great. So, oh, yeah, absolutely. And when are you leaving to go to, um, the, back to London? 
the date, uh, the actual date hasn't been determined. There's just some paperwork that needs to be completed. Um, okay. Okay. It's actually a lot more complicated to get a work visa to the UK than what I would imagine it being, especially being from like the US. You would think that there would be um, easier channels between our two countries, but there's not um, due to the difference in the immigration systems. But um, it's definitely something that's going to um, you know, get through is just the process of having um, the paperwork completed. But um, ideally, okay. it's going to be before the end of the summer. Okay, so you'll, you'll get down there before uh, the snow blizzards and Cincinnati blizzards. Yes, not that um, the weather in England is much better, but yeah. I heard that it oh, um, yeah. doesn't snow. Yeah, they told me it didn't snow, um, but it rains a lot. But when I was there, it rained every day, but it never was a heavy downpour. It was just sprinkles um, off and on. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I, I know uh, I, I can wish you luck, but I know that you're going to do well. I mean, it's just it's just in your nature uh, to not do anything not to do anything other than well, and that's that's what I pick up from what I read on your post. My Facebook friends. When they post something, I read it. I may not respond to everything, but I read it. And uh, some things hit me, some things, you know, some things I end up blocking a couple of people, you know, unfriending them. I've done that too. <laughs> it happens. It happens. But I, I, I read them, and some, and, and some people really hit home with what they're saying, and I, I can really <clears throat> feel the vibe of where they're coming from. Even, even some people I've disagreed with, I understand where they're coming from, uh, to a point where we can have a respectable conversation and just disagree and respect each other in the end. So you, you're, going, you're going to do well. You, you're on your way to being uh, something great, and uh, I'm, I'm glad to know you. I'm, I'm glad to know oh, you. I'm glad you. to be able to say that, that I know Tadia and Janga. I'm glad to say that. And the feelings mutual. Thank you so much. Before we, we go, before we close, what, what kind of what, – what things really – as far as sociologically get under your skin that you just kind of just like, you just, it just pisses you off. I guess I'm trying to say that, that you just don't like and you wish you could, you could just change it to drop it to a head. Um, really it's like a lot of issues regarding socioeconomic inequalities. I think the last thing that really hit a nerve with me, um, I was reading a post by Al Jazeera and it was about a French conservative party um, who is expected to be the winners of the election um, throughout Europe. It's the time that they're having their elections now. And um, their big thing is anti-immigration laws and um, or being a lot stricter on um, immigration. And it's not just with the French. It's with us and it's with the U.K. and pretty much every other world power. And it's just interesting to me how cultures or governments such as them, um, you know, they go into other countries, whether it's in Africa, Asia, South America, and they essentially rob those countries of their resources, their culture, uh, their local or their native economies, and they tell the people that, you know, they have to assimilate to their culture. And so they take everything and they tell them to assimilate and they expect them to just be or just to accept, you know, poverty, unhappiness, and with absolutely no chances of, you know, 
improving their situation. And then when they decide to go to the places where life is better, whether it's America, the U.K., or France, the, those governments, they have absolutely no idea why those people want to come over there after they've had everything taken from them. And that's just something that bothers me a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, 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 I feel you on that one. I feel on that one. I, I, I have a pet peeve, this, uh, this country just sticking its nose and everywhere else and not cleaning up what's happening over here. If, if, if someone was to ask me that question, I would start with that. <laughs> but having oh, yeah. said that, what, what, no, go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, that's um, definitely a big thing, like, you know, of fighting, I mean, if you want to call them wars, but our presence in the Middle East, as much money as we spent on that, uh, you know, just being a student, like I can, you know, I understand that being a student is hard. Paying for school, you know, without the use of scholarships, you know, is really hard. And we could have invested that money, you know, into our youth or not just necessarily youth, but anyone who wanted to go to school. And, you know, the cost of tuition could have been greatly reduced. But instead of, you know, spending that money to improve our own country, we use it to destroy others. And it, that's something that yep. doesn't make any sense to me either. It, it, and, and they know it. They know exactly what you said, and that's the way the system wants it to be. This is this whole thing did not just happen uh, by chance. That you know, it just didn't turn out this way. This is a design. This is systematic, and that's what really, really gets me. And then we turn our turn our heads to it. We complain about the easy things, the Eric Snowdens and the uh, the easy targets, the Donald. Uh, what were the guy's name? I can't even think of his name. The, the L.A. Clippers guy. And we jump on that, but we but we still haven't finished. We want to investigate uh, uh, Benghazi, but we ain't even done investigate 9/11 as far as I'm. Matter of fact, we haven't even started investigate 9/11 as far as I'm concerned. So exactly. that's just me. That's just me. But I ask you about what kind of pisses you off. Now, what 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 settles you? What how do you relax? What what motivates you and just kind of makes you just feel good and and and, and keeps you charged up to continue on the path that you no doubt headed on? Um, I think one of the things is um, I feel like meeting new people, um, being exposed to new ideas, and um, just just learning about different cultures. And the more I meet people, the more I want to make sure that I'm in a position that I can, you know, experience the world. Well, you, you and I are... Think I was going to say you are on okay. the mark. I was just saying that you're you. going to say you, you're, on, you're on the mark. You're definitely on the mark. Uh, keep, keep, keep on going and keep rolling, keep moving. I'll keep on reading posts, and maybe one day once you get down there and things start transpiring, I can get you back on and get an update on what's happening with Tadia. All right, that sounds like a plan. And uh, I know I asked you before about a closing statement. You kind of kind of faded back on that one, so I want to ask you about the closing statement, if you just, unless you just had something you wanted to put out there. But I do want to say thank you for coming on. Uh, it went just as I expected. It was, I think it was a great conversation. I hope those who didn't have a chance to tune in live, like I said, you can always go back on to uh, my Facebook page and pull up the link and uh, pull up this show or any other show I've done previous. And, and, and check it out. All of the shows I've done, I believe, have been great conversation, worth listening to, and the open-minded among us actually learn something, I believe. So, right. Tadia, 
Go ahead. Yes. I was going to say, well, I do appreciate you for having me, and I just feel very honored. Well, thank you. I, I, I'm honored that you are here, and uh, we'll be keeping in touch. And you take care of yourself, and, and good luck to you. And I, I look forward to the next uh, time to have you on the show. All right. Well, thank you, and you have a great evening, and enjoy the rest okay. of your show. You too, Tanya. Take thank care you. now. And that is what I'm talking about. This is not what you will see on daytime television. This is, uh, I believe, the majority of our youth. I believe there is a percentage of element amongst our youth that make every one of them look bad in the eyes of the world because that's what the world is seeing is what the uh, media is portraying of them which is what influenced me and inspired me to do what I'm doing here, what little bit I can do, to show that we have extraordinary people doing extraordinary things. I'm going to talk about a couple of uh, great things in Chicago like I did before. I've got to give them a plug because they're doing some wonderful things. I also have a, a third uh, extraordinary person who I'll talk about uh, before uh, going off the air. But first, uh, I'm going to take a short break for a couple of minutes, and we'll come back and we'll tell you all about our extraordinary things going on in Chicago. We'll be right back. Get involved with you, just the S A double D I Q. Yo, he wanna get involved with you, just the S A double D I Q. Yo, he wanna get involved with you, just the S A double D I Q. Yo, he wanna get involved with you. 
get involved in this. Oh shit, it's nice. The first great person, great organization I want to tell you about is uh, Tasha C. Joyner. Now, Tasha is spelled in a cute, unique way, T-A-T-I-S-A, C. Joyner, J-O-I-N-E-R. Tasha Joyner, born in Detroit, came up in Pine Hill, Alabama, attended Auburn University, cancer survivor who in 2008 formed the Tasha C. Joyner Foundation for Cancer Survivors, her with her husband, Charles Joyner. If you have been diagnosed with cancer, if you know someone who's been diagnosed with cancer, I would suggest that you contact the Tasha C. Joyner Foundation. You can contact Tasha at www.ct joiner j-o-i-n-e-r foundation dot org you can call tasha 773-326-2300 you can email tasha at ct joiner foundation at sbcglobal.net those ways you can contact tasha uh, if you know of someone or if you yourself has been diagnosed Unfortunately, with cancer, you need to contact this organization. Uh, it is an incredible organization uh, in support of cancer survivors. Uh, they have plenty of different programs, uh, plenty of ways to help you, uh, in addition to the moral support and just the genuine love that you'll see coming from each and every uh, individual person that is affiliated with this organization. Uh, the services include health education, professional counseling, personal assistance for health navigation, medical assistance, healthy eating uh, recommendations with a personal chef, uh, wigs and a stylist, uh, bras fitted with personal service, family support services, uh, to and from uh, medical facilities. There's a weekend retreat house, uh, Pink Pillow Talk Retreat, which is a retreat for the uh, ladies to get together and just let themselves wind down and be amongst people who they are totally comfortable and, and, and whereas they can be within a uh, room with nothing but a vibe of, of genuine love. I say again that the Tasha C. Joyner Foundation is who you need to contact if you have been unfortunately diagnosed uh, with cancer or know someone who has, uh, regardless of the stage, Get a hold of the that you're in. Get a hold of the organization, and then you will see what I'm talking about. Give Tasha a call. You can also uh, go on to the website www.ctjoinerfoundation.org, and you can make a donation. The foundation needs the donations. They need the love. They will supply the love, but the things that the organization is trying to do unfortunately uh, cost money and if we can get together and show some love and show some financial support uh, there's no limit to uh, the benefits uh, that this organization can put forth to uh, those who have been diagnosed diagnosed with this unfortunate disease 
Uh, they're doing great. They want to do greater. They want to, she wants to do bigger. Uh, she, she's going to eventually, as great as, organiza- as, great as this organization is being uh, run, it's going to outgrow the facilities that they currently have. They're going to need, they're going to need some space, and they're going to need some love and support from each and every one of us individuals and from the businesses and the corporations. I ask that you support the Tasha C. Joyner Foundation for Cancer Survivors. That is the Tasha C. Joyner Foundation. I encourage uh, those who need the support group to contact uh, Tasha and uh, embrace that love that's that's there waiting for you. There's a let, let me get this off my chest. So I, I, I just I was going to say it at the beginning of the show, but I wanted to get on with uh, our interview with Tadia and Janga, and we are still. Maybe it's me. I don't know. If I'm wrong, then call and tell me that, and tell me how. Seven one eight six six four nine five one three. But this Donald Sterling uh, fiasco with the Clippers to me is really kind of just ass backwards to me. I get everything that people are saying. I get it. Racist, bigot, pig, all that you want to say. You know, you call him. That's fine. Okay, yes, I, I get it. I agree. Uh, they, they're going to take take the team. They're going to do this. And okay, well, fine. I, I don't see, uh, you know, we get to the point of uh, having such harsh penalties because somebody just says something, speaking their mind in a private conversation, and we're in trouble. Like I said in a, a post before, a show before, that I could see if he had an all-white team, all-white coaches. And uh, then he said, you know what? I don't want no white players. I don't want no white coaches. Well, he has pretty much all black team. He hired a black coach, and he says some stupid stuff. But I don't see the harm in what this guy is doing. And there may be some harm. I can't say there's not. And if there is, okay, I get it. I'll accept it. But who's really harming us, and who are we not saying a damn thing about those who are harming us? What, what about our own who are saying things about us? What, it, I, I start with Lil Wayne. What, what about what these guys, what about what these thug rappers are saying immorally about us? They have been harmful to our kids. Donald Sterling, Sterling has not been harmful, as far as I'm concerned, nowhere near to the level and depth that our own people have been harmful to us, but we don't say nothing. Why don't we have the music label drop Lil Wayne and all these other idiots? Too many names to figure out. Time Warner. Why don't we go on Time Warner to have him drop drop these artists who are insulting our people and our women and our mothers and fathers and, our, and, and putting out this poison to our kids? Well, I guess we just like the easy targets. We like to jump on the Donald Sterling. So we like to jump on the... Eric Snowden's, uh, but we we say nothing about how in the hell that third building of the World Trade Center fell down on its own by itself. If 9/11 had been on a democratic presidential term, that president, whoever he was, would have been impeached. Period. It would have been investigated, impeached, 
flush down the toilet. They say nothing about it. I'm talking about the resuglicans. They say nothing about it, but they want to jump on Benghazi as though they have no memory. They have amnesia when it comes to 9-11, which still should be investigated. They're talking about a plane went into the Pentagon, and there was no wing print going into the building, just a circular hole. What the hell kind of plane is that? Man, we are ass backwards. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. We, we get excited when, uh, 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 what's the guy's name, uh, Zimmerman, uh, kills an innocent kid, and we should. We should. Man, I'm telling you we should. We should do everything that we've done. But when it comes to us self-genociding ourselves, we don't have the same reaction. We're killing each other for no reason, but we're letting George Zimmerman walk around living however he's living, and, and, and he, he, he's fine. Ain't, ain't, nobody trying to, ain't nobody trying to take him out. Ain't nobody trying to hold him accountable for what he did. We are, in my opinion, ass backwards. We overreact to some things, and we have no reaction to things we should be overreacting to. That's my opinion, and I'm sticking with it. Uh, all I can do is shake my head, shake my head. Uh, we, we don't boycott these early morning daytime shows that project the images of us to the whole world. The, the, these uh, Jerry Springer's, Maury's, uh, Steve Wilcoses, these the court shows having us looking like damn idiots, like buffoons in front of the whole damn world, all of us sitting there clapping and cheering and chanting. They are more dangerous than Donald Sterling. We better get it together. We better get it together. Okay, so I just wanted to get that off my chest, and I also want to tell you about uh, one of the best things happening in Chicago, uh, as far as I'm concerned, right smack dab in the community. So proud of this brother, Joe Stroder, uh, along with Brother Darius Lawrence, who have uh, founded and uh, are running the Mo Better Jazz every Friday night at the House of Bing on 6930 South Shore Drive, every Friday night, 730 to approximately 1130. It's uh, free parking, great food, great drinks, the best people you can ever be around. Uh, it's a world-class jazz and an old-school element. It's an old-school vibe with jazz that compares to any jazz you can find anywhere in the world. These, these are not corner Mom and Pa store playing the uh, washboard and the and the uh, whatever you uh, Fred Sample was doing over there with the bow legs uh, on Sample and Son. These are world class guys. These guys are fantastic. It doesn't matter who is there. You're going to be treated to some jazz out of this world. Now, if you want to keep up with who's there, then what you do is you go to Facebook and you just go up and type in. Search for Mo Better Jazz. It'll be the first one up there. Click on it, join the group, and they'll keep you posted on everybody who's going to be there on each week. Uh, I, I'm proud of what they're doing. Uh, Brother Joe Stroder and Brother Darius Lawrence, they're both from uh, um, my same high school, South Shore High School in Chicago. Uh, we're coming up on uh, Joe's got a probably, I think he's got an anniversary coming up pretty soon. 
uh, one year. That's going to be a good one. But if you are in Chicago on Friday night, the House of Bing, featuring Mo' Better Jazz, is the place to be. When I'm in Chicago on Friday night, that's where I am on Friday night. Period. So keep that in mind. 6930 South Shore Drive. Every Friday night, 730. Free parking. Plenty of free parking. Right across from the South Shore Country Club. Check it out. And we will be back in a moment. Okay, and I'm back. And before I close out, I gotta say uh, there's another organization, uh, or individuals organization, however you want to put it, that I, I have to give some support and love to. Uh, this has to do with a young lady by the name of Diane Martin uh, Arthur, who is author of a uh, book that I just finished reading. I read it in about three days, called Somebody Else's Baby. Excellent work, excellent work. I didn't just read the book. I, I felt the book. 
I encourage uh, you to, you can go on to Amazon.com. You can uh, search on somebody else's baby, Diane Martin. There are still some copies available. If you want to connect with Diane Martin, uh, you can either get her through my Facebook uh, friends, search for her there, or you can just type in Diane Martin, and you'll find the one with uh, as the author. Uh, if you want to make sure, there's there's a couple more than one there. If you want to uh, make sure to hook up with Diane Martin, you can go onto my Facebook, uh, Keith Bledsoe, and you can uh, search through my friends, and you'll find Diane there. Connect with her, and I'm sure she would love to network with you. This was a great book. It had to do with uh, our youth and. Uh, Decision-making it had to do with upbringings, uh, relationships, uh, discipline, and uh, family challenges, and it goes right back into decision-making. It was a great book, and not only it is, is it a great book, but Diane will be on the show with me on Sunday. I'll be doing a show with Diane Martin. Uh, as a matter of fact, this book was uh, authored and by uh, William and Diane Martin, at least the stage play, which I'm about to talk about, that's going to be taking place. That was derived from the book uh, on Saturday, July 26th at 6 o'clock, Thornton Fractional South High School. It's going to be a, li- it's a live theater play uh, coming from the book. I will have Diane Martin on the show with me with some of the uh, Actors from the play who will talk about the play, talk about uh, their perspectives and their characters, and uh, we'll just do what we do on We Are Everyday People. We will talk to extraordinary people doing extraordinary things. I'm, I'm looking forward to this show. going to be a great show. That's with uh, Diane Martin this coming Sunday. So uh, I will be uh, promoting that on Facebook, so look out for it. And if you get a chance, please tune in. And please call in. So, another day. Uh, glad to be back on the air. Uh, want to thank Tadia Njanga once again for coming on uh, and giving me a great interview. Uh, I'm so proud of this young lady, a chemical engineer. And uh, well, I just realized I, I've known her for five years now, and I remember her coming out of high school. So uh, she is uh, on a path to greatness. There's no question about it. And these are our young adults that we need to hear about. It's up to us to make it happen. Ain't nobody going to do it but us. You can't depend on no mainstream media. Uh, you can depend on me. I'm going to have it covered. No doubt about it. Having said that, in the name of whomever, or whatever, your spiritual power, peace. Going to never ever think of it at 